0: All right, we're back. Yeah, you got Jason, your host, whatsoever is true. You're stuck with me. Well, I mean, not stuck with me. You could turn me off, right? But uh, let's just assume you're, you're gonna listen to this whole thing. This is no place for cowards. And this is this is a doozy. I'm gonna apologize up front. If you are a very sensitive little spirit and you have a tendency to, to, to limp, to lean towards wokeism, you are not gonna like this, okay? I'm just gonna give you that disclaimer. Right ahead, I'm going to give you some straight black coffee, and it's strong right here. And we're talking about First Timothy chapter four. Paul has, has has been writing to Timothy to prepare him and to build him up to confront false teaching in the church. And he's it, of course Timothy is in Ephesus. Ephesus has got the whole cult of, of you know Diana and and uh, all that, and uh, she is the big the big bomb. And the whole economy is built around that, and so there is a lot of wealth there. There's 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 a lot of money. Ephesus is, is doing pretty well. There's a lot of similarities, you know. America is awash in in the idolatry of scientific materialism, and we think the only way to the truth is through science. You know, Lord Fossey was was considered almost godlike in the last couple of years with every proclamation that he had, and. Christians have fallen into idolatry of the state. And we think because we have MRIs and iPhones and, and, and all of these things that, that we don't need the Lord. The word of the Lord is not efficacious and it's not absolutely authoritative over the affairs of, of all men. So here we are, right? So we're getting into this now where Paul writes to Timothy, and it is applicable to us today. And he says that now the Spirit expressly says that in later times... Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. A couple things. The Spirit says this. Unequivocally, without a doubt, the Lord tells us that this is what we're going to see. They're going to depart from the faith. They're going to devote themselves to teachings that are false. These teachings are coming from deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And they're coming through liars whose consciences are seared. Now this is coming on the heels of, of, of chapter 3 where we saw that the elders and deacons the leaders of his church should m- make sure they're men and uh, they're men of the Lord and they have shown a lot of consistency in their life. They're not new converts. You know, they're not like Samson's issue was, was sexual infidelity. Saul was cowardice. And, and, and I can go on and on with Old Testament references is that real biblical leaders are faithful in their personal lives and if they are of love of money, I'll I call somebody Joel Osteen, that kind of guy, that, that they are, or uh, Mr. Copeland out there, that they are false teachers. They, they teach false doctrines. And they, they twist the scripture. They'll use scripture, but they'll twist it. Their consciences are seared. And that is bad. That means that <clears throat> the conscience, when the Bible uses it, is everyone has a conscience in the sense that they know God's moral law has been written on our hearts. That's Romans 2, verses 14 and 15. What happens is the more we do that, the more we sin and suppress it, you can get to a point where the conscience isn't working. <clears throat> and it's seared. God then gives them over to the consequences of our sin. So one of the ways we can detect false teachers is are they given over to lust? You know, I, I, there's a, a very big church here, a very huge Wealth and prosperity church that that blew up uh, maybe 20 years ago, and then of course it was rocked by sexual scandals. You know, we saw that coming. The the, the pastor was got a private jet, that kind of thing, million dollar house, and you see, you're seeing a lot of greed. You're seeing uh, sexual infidelity, and uh you know the guy's wife was in the 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 pastor's wife was in therapy for uh, sex addiction and just horrible amount of sin that was involved with that, and. 1 Timothy chapter 3 was, was the, if you want to look at it, it's, it's a barrier. It's, it's, the, it's the first line of the fence against that. This, this, these folks had no testing. They had no doctrinal experience and history of being faithful and so forth. And so we need to take this seriously. Sin will lead us to heresy. Sin will lead us to compromise, always. So again, who's saying this the Holy Spirit? So in other words, God himself is telling us that unmistakably, without fail, in later times, there's going to be people who profess the faith but are liars. And these errors are the result of Satan's kingdom warring against God's kingdom. And they're going to use deceit. That's a very key point. We should be ready. And we're warned. The battlefield is in the realm of ideas. It's in the mind. And it's not a mistake or some weak figure of speech that the Lord called himself not just a way and the life, but the truth. So, like I said, this is going to be some strong coffee here. Ready? For a man or woman to proclaim a love for God and yet be ambivalent to the truth, and to be illogical, to not care, that's a contradiction in terms. How can we love the God who is truth and yet dance in the arms of error, guys? The life of the Christian is a marriage to the Lord Himself, and yet a lot of us go ahead and and live as if we're merely dating Him, right? Or we're kind of engaged, it's no big deal, and we're going to keep seeing other people. If we flirt with the world's evil doctrines, we're being unfaithful. And so we must not cover the purity of God's word with the presuppositions of humanism. We've got to be very careful. That we're not doing that, and and there's a lot of wokeism and Marxist categorical thinking that is filtered into the church. The faithful bride of Christ is faithful to His word, and to be faithful in a world of lies requires the full armor of God, and it requires sound doctrine, and complete dedication to the principles of Scripture in every area of our life, and that is our personal life. So you know, in the last couple of years of lockdowns and church closures and wokeism we've learned that the church is too easily succumbed to, pl- to pressure. And it's done that because we have out of shape uh, pastors and elders who are more concerned with what the world thinks and what what the scripture says. And they're more like, you know, corporate administrators who speak Christianese, right? They speak in Christian terms, but they are not men of God. The Bible teaches that, that we are not to compromise with that. And those who do compromise the word of the Lord have no business being elders or pastors so we must not only be men of the word but we've got to be men and women of courage too the old testament is replete with examples of how vacillating leadership and vacillating living and and equivocal living leads to spiritual catastrophe God, in chapter 3 here of First Timothy, calls elders and leaders to understand that they're in a battle and they must not give quarter, any quarter, to the lies of Satan. And I'm gonna, this is such an important point because I know people who are more concerned with the, the trivial things that violate the principles of Romans 14. Romans 14 goes over you know, the little matters of faith. Keep to yourself between you and God. Uh, matters of principle, matters of, of sound doctrine, we should be really s- strong. But we've got people who are griping about what songs played at church, what hymn there. Um, You know, I I don't want that hymn. And and, and people get all bent out of shape about the smallest things. And what they really are saying is that the the real things of righteousness don't matter to me. Elders and pastors in an age of unrelenting attacks upon God's word must understand that the only common ground between good and evil is the battleground. And they are in a battle. So you cannot be of two minds. So we're warned that the enemy hates God and his church, and that he'll use lies and deception as a primary tool to defeat us. So, you know, that logically this means that Christians must be trained to think biblically, or else they're, we're like a soldier going to war and we don't have any ammo. So we need to hear this, we need to hear it clearly, because there's a lot coming. And remember, just because a man is wearing a uniform doesn't make him a soldier. He's a soldier who fulfills his oath. He fights. Now likewise, Christians are called to arms as well, upon a battlefield of ideas and philosophy, and allegiance, ultimate allegiance. What are we ultimately ultimately faithful to? And our weapons are the truth of the word of God. Now, I know. This is gonna sound too militaristic, so ready? Let's consider 2 Corinthians ten, verses three through, 3 through six. It states, it states, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. That's, let's, let's, that's what scripture says. Think about that. Let's what 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 doesn't it say right there? It doesn't say we destroy arguments. It doesn't say we well you know we try and make sure that the arguments you know hear our side, <laughs> and and most sloppy opinions. But I don't want to get into a battle about say Black Lives Matter, because you know that's a hot button issue, and I need to understand where they're coming from, even though it's idolatrous. <laughs> And every, nope, nope, not every, but most of them, just the ones that are convenient for me, raised against the knowledge of God. Now, that's why I say about Black Lives Matter, where is Christ in that? Where is Christ in that movement? Christ is in that movement. It's a Marxist movement right that's why they, that's why they're having controversy over saying well all lives matter because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and you know you were talking about racism it's a consequence of sin Is getting rid of getting rid of the oppression of the few by the many isn't going to be fixed by the oppression of the many by the few that's marxism that's there's no christ in that there's no biblical principles in that it needs to be called out they need to be called to repentance okay um every lofty opinion Okay, And it'd take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now they'll say, well, not all of them because we can't bring that into the university. We can't bring that into corporate America. That's the, way, that's the way the cowardly Christians are reading that. Cowardly pastors, cowardly elders are reading it. They are not real pastors and leaders. That is, those are wolves in sheep's clothing. They, you should not be in a pew with that type of coward in a pulpit. I told you this was going to be black coffee in your face. And uh, so, oh, yeah, by the way, another point, though. What's interesting about this is how when most modern Christians think of demons, right, as well as doctrines of demons, they imagine horror film stuff, right? In reality, this is where the demons are working. The demonic activity that we need to be trained to look for is usually hiding behind a smile, right? It's hiding in a pulpit, in a chalkboard, in a classroom, stuff like that telling you did God really say? did God really say? I mean that's really the flash point folks did God really say and oh there'll be no judgment right? Your, our problems are not are not academic. they're not economic okay They are moral. we hate God. that's that's the point and it needs and so we need to preach the gospel all the time. That's sound doctrine. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only answer to the problems of sin is Jesus Christ. So the church needs to be a pillar of truth, teaching that Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth and everybody in it. And in Genesis 3, what's the problem? Total depravity. Man has fallen. If we try to talk to the world without giving them Genesis 1 and Genesis 3 and then Jesus Christ, we're messing this up. Right now, we're teaching a a, a gospel. A lot of people, well, you can make a choice for Christ. You've got time. It's okay. Well, you know what? You might not wake up tomorrow. You know, you want to hear this eschatologically that Jesus says you don't know at what hour the Son of Man comes at the, the end of days. Well, what about, you know, what about you driving on the road and, uh, you know, there's a, there, there, there's a dude crosses the double yellow lines and, and now you've got an interview with the Almighty just like that. That's what we need to be preaching is that God is angry with sin. God is holy. And this is the area where we can't give any quarter, and this is why the church is so, uh, you know, shot through, full of weakness. They're more afraid of the world. They're more afraid of telling the truth to these the, the latest political cause, the latest social craze, than they are of telling them about the truth that God is angry with sin. Judgment is everywhere. There's signs of it coming all the time. And that's not popular because people don't want to hear it, but that's not the point. Real love is sound doctrine. So propaganda and lies have always been the best weapon of the enemy, right? I mean the the devil didn't the serpent didn't come into the garden with an AR fifteen, right? He came in with subtlety of lies. And you can always tell what he's lying about that somebody's lying when they when they say, Did God really say? Meaning you can't trust the word of the Lord. The devil's at his destructive best when he captures souls through lies. The scuttlebutt Good modern politics, right, it's all about misinformation, fake news. So all of a sudden, a bunch of people who believe in no absolute truth are some for some reason now very concerned with truth. Catch the, catch the contradiction? It's very so easy to go, well, if, if, if fake news is such a big deal, what you're saying is fake, that means there's lies. Well, what worldview makes sense of lies? What worldview makes sense of truth? See, they can't even be consistent in their own unbelief. They can't be consistent in their own idolatry. That's the foolishness that God, that's why God calls it foolishness. So it shouldn't be weird at all to us that they're doing this because we understand because scripture tells us why they're doing what they're doing. They're suppressing the truth about God because they don't want him to be God. So we should expect it. Um, back to back to the church and, uh, and we'll finish this up. And there's a famous movie, Saving Private Ryan, and there's a big scene where the American soldier Mellish, okay, Stanley Mellish, He's, uh, he's in a pretty tough fight at the end of the movie, and he's killed in close-quarter combat by his, uh, his Nazi adversary. It's a horrible scene, really emotional. I mean, the way he dies with the, the knife plunging into him, it comes slowly and dramatically. And, uh, cause, you know, because they've been wrestling around, uh, you know, all the weapons, were, they were out of ammo and all that stuff. So it was just close-quarter combat. And, and then the, the Nazi got top position when they wrestled, and, and, and it was just, you know, struggle, and it was, it was horrible to watch. But what's even harder to watch is that there's another American soldier present, and he's out kind of in the hallway of this bombed-out building in the stairwell, uh, Up Him. That's his name. And so if you've seen the movie, you remember Up Him. He's a, he's a technician and a translator. And he's cowering in the stairwell crying. He doesn't run into the fight. Having, so having killed the brave Melish. The Nazi leaves the room and descend, begins to descend the stairs. And he, he finds the, the, Mr. Upham sitting there in tears. And he passes him and he goes out. And, you know, he goes out, he's going to continue to kill Americans. That's, his, that's his, what he's doing. He leaves Upham crying. Now, in the deranged West, in the morally deranged West, uh, we are supposed to find Upham, we're told, and I've read some stuff on this, as another casualty of war rather than as a reprehensible coward. His apologists say he was a symbol of the innocence torn apart by the reality of war. They say he was a technician who never should have been in battle anyway. So they go on an offensive to protect the honor of a man who had none. See, Did Upham go through basic training? Did he have a uniform on? Did he have a weapon? Was he supposed, What was he supposed to do? If you don't realize that you're a soldier and you're supposed to go help your, your comrade, then you're a coward. And a, and, a, and a culture that can't say that is, is clearly warped. So to take from this, I need to, we, we need to make sure we understand this. All men and women will fight morally. They will take a stand morally. The question is for what cause? And if we dabble with sin, I guarantee you, we're going to sit on the stairs and cry and cover our ears against the noise of battle. We're going to do that because that's what sin's going to do. Sin is going to make us cowards. You look at Peter after Jesus' arrest, cowering against a teenage girl. With the Lord, he was ready to cut. He tried to kill uh, Malchus. He tries to cut his head off. Misses, catches his ear. Without Christ, he's he's, he's cowering. That's us, guys. So we see it all the time. You see this in church folks all the time. They sit by as the enemies of truth attack. Worse still, if sin keeps getting more and more of us, we become more and more self-centered, more and more self-indulgent, and we begin to cast, uh, throw throw darts. Not full arrows, but we throw darts at Christian leadership around us. We start thinking the pastor should have said this in the, in the sermon, he should have said that, or the elders should have done this, or the elders should have done that. And we start grumbling and complaining, and we're the Israelites in the wilderness. And, and we know you should go and read that. That's us. That's the church. Israel in the wilderness. Grumbling and complaining, grumbling and complaining. They hide behind their so-called desire for peace. They don't like controversy. They want everybody to just get along. And I, I heard it from so many churches. Well, there's there a big controversy over uh, some of the people who were upset about the mask. And what you had was like two people out of a couple hundred. You had a couple, two people. So let the elders deal with it, Right. But the, the, the people who are saying that they just want peace are always attacking the men in leadership, not on biblical ground, not on real sin, not, the real sin they let go, right? Sexual infidelity, uh, you know, that that kind of thing, greed, and other, th- those things they're not paying attention to, it's the little, the little things that are not moral, the little things that are not sinful. Um so the worst of all, I mean, they're going to swing their verbal arrows. I mean, they might even get in there and help this Nazi soldier kill Mellish. Uh, so they've got to be careful. Uh, when you hear people say, why, you know, why do we need to make such a big deal out of homosexuality and transgenderism? What do we got to, why do, why do we have to be so strident? We'll make more converts with love than we will with talking about judgment and sin. So they're going to, that's how they reveal themselves as being given over to lies and if if they really go full on with that their consciences are seared they're in danger and we need to speak the truth to them in Christ we need to we need to speak the truth to them in Christ a christian pastor or elder that tries to find any common ground at all with with that with 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 you know sin is an utter failure in the battle between god's word and the world's word we must We will take a stand. We're going to go one way or the other. There's no middle ground. We've got to choose. And we must never fire shots from our foxhole at the pastors who have the courage to go against the forces of evil. When John MacArthur, bless his heart, as they say here in the South, reopened his church during the COVID lockdowns, many weasels criticized him from their pulpits. They wanted the approval of the world. And the Lord's, and I'm gonna call them weasels, and I call them that in the Lord because they're given over to the doctrine of demons. And John, uh, Pastor John, was very courageous, and there's other ones like him, and those guys took a lot of heat from the, you know, the the vacillating. Uh, I would again call them the, the the liars and the deceivers, that that didn't care about the the truth of the word of the Lord. So we will all fight. We're either gonna fight for the truth, or we're gonna fight against those who fight for the truth. Well, we're going to contend for lies. Revelation one eight condemns the cowardly and lumps them in with murderers and idolaters. Think about this the next time you take a stand for a cause. And ask how this cause brings glory to Jesus Christ. Keep asking yourself that. How does this glorify Jesus Christ? If it doesn't, if you don't see Christ in this, you've got a problem. Start backing up and go get some counsel. Go get some godly counsel. We must tread carefully because this is god's church not our own and the scariest words in the bible again is holy 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 is the lord god almighty that's revelation 4 8. holy 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 he's not playing this is serious business choose this day whom you'll serve a false view of god will invariably lead to a life of false expectations we're gonna have conflict we're gonna have pressure and that's how god is going to reveal our true character and 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 glorify himself through that pressure conflict's going to shock you but you're warned and right here in First in, in Timothy chapter 4 we're warned and there is a way to be peaceful men and women of God and warriors of Christ. but I'll tell you what there's no way to be a, a, a man or woman of Christ and an appeaser of sin. that's not possible. So if you again you're having trouble with this I know it's tough it goes against the grain today. here we go. I'll finish with this Matthew 10 verses 34 through 39. Jesus speaking. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. End quote. Again, that was Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. Now, last thing I'll say, I, as always, I sign off. Hope this is edifying. Hope it was God-glorifying. And, and it is coming up where we're going to talk about doing this without being abusive, doing this without being arrogant. But we must do it. We are gonna, we're going to have conflict because the world hates the Lord. The world loves darkness more than light. You know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, to, right? But men love darkness. So we're going to have that conflict. We don't need to be objectionable. We can be kind and patient. But we're going to have to tell them this. That God God is going to judge sin. And yeah, that's sin. Sin Sin over here. Wokism, sin. Transgenderism, sin. That's sin. Uh, Democrat Party, sin. Everything they stand for is Marxist. is sin. Sorry. Uh, the Republicans, well, a lot of sinful cowards. I mean, some of the things they stand for are good. Some of them, you know, uh, but... You know, you so, so saying cowardly. Well, you know, all politicians. Are, uh, no, not all of them, but the the platforms of one party, Democrat Party, is clearly sin. That the whole party's been taken over by the doctrine of demons, and and to, to give it any aid or comfort is sin. Stop it. If you did it before in ignorance, that does ignorance. Repent of that. And move forward. But you've got to stand up. And again, you're not going to be shouting at people, screaming at people, but you're going to lovingly and patiently correct. Okay, exhort, encourage, but you've got to be disciplined in the word of the Lord and you cannot be shocked that there's going to be conflict. Don't become, like I said, a false view of of the world, false expectations come out of a false understanding of Scripture. You're going to have conflict. That's what Christ was saying. People hated him. They're going to hate you. Okay. so, again, I hope this was helpful and edifying, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time.